0: There are many ways to originate deals in the equipment finance business, but today we will be focusing on working with third-party originators. What are the benefits of this approach? How do you vet these individuals or companies, and how do you ensure the good ones keep bringing their deals to you for funding? We will be diving into all of these questions on today's podcast. Before we get started, I want to thank today's podcast sponsor, Stripes Leadership Program. Stripes is a professional and personal leadership development program designed with purpose and intent to build, challenge, and inspire best-in-class leaders within the equipment finance industry. Stripes was founded on the fundamental principle and pursuit of excellence and fulfillment to support real, lasting growth and change. To learn more, visit stripesleadership.com. So I'm Rita Garwood, editor-in-chief of The Monitor, and I'm here today with David Lee. David is chairman and CEO of North Mill Equipment Finance. David, I'm so happy to be talking with you today. Thanks for joining the podcast.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: So today we're going to be talking about brokers and the relationship with brokers and lenders. So I know that North Mill works exclusively with brokers. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, why is that model more beneficial than a direct approach?
1: Well, let's go back in time to 2018 when we did the recapitalization with Wafra. At that point in time, we were a a very small company uh, that historically had focused on subprime long-haul trucking, and we were making a strategic shift and changing out uh, a number of the senior management team. And so, how did we develop Uh, a large footprint relatively quickly in asset categories that we historically had not participated in. And when you look out at the universe, there are literally thousand plus intermediaries in this space uh, from large sophisticated organizations to individuals in their t-shirt and gym shorts in their basement, right? And these folks have relationships with various vendors dealerships, and with applicants, right? And so for us to be able to market nationwide to a large group of vendors and dealers and build the online web presence uh, to solicit direct applications uh, would have entailed not only a significant investment, uh, a large number of hires, uh, but a very long period of time. And what we found is is that we could access uh, the entire universe of potential deals very quickly by developing relationships with with brokers who already had uh, channels to originate business. And what we tried to do is differentiate ourselves from a couple of perspectives. One was making, uh, I almost call it a religious commitment, that we would be broker only, because as we started having conversations with a number of brokers, a lot of them were very upset with with funding sources that had hybrid models, and finding that their customers weren't necessarily their customers long term, and that their vendor relationships weren't necessarily their vendor relationships. And I know a number of our competitors do try to create Chinese walls, uh, but nevertheless, uh, those walls get breached quite a bit. And especially as those companies get larger and larger, it's very difficult to avoid those kind of channel conflicts. So by making that commitment uh, and then living up to it, right? uh, we've been able to develop uh, a greater sense of loyalty and trust uh, with our brokers. Uh, The other is, is that we wanted to make sure that we had a diverse set of assets And diverse set of funding uh, opportunities. And so we can pivot very easily to different asset categories without necessarily having to hire and fire uh, vendor reps or business development officers uh, just by changing who we focus on with regard to new programs, by changing pricing parameters, increasing or decreasing commissions, um, so that we've been able to balance the portfolio uh, on a basis that I like, which is I want uh, eight spokes, what I call 12 and a half percent concentration buckets. And then I also want a diverse set of credit parameters. So I don't want the portfolio to only be a credits because the yields are too low for me and I don't have the benefit of uh, deposit funds like banks do. But I also don't want C and D credits exclusively because there's too much volatility in those returns and it makes it difficult to manage your credit relationships and your securitizations. So I'm looking for an ideal blend of credit diversification while maximizing yield and minimizing uh, defaults and losses. So I call call the trapezoidal bell curve of credits. I don't want the Bs. I'm certainly not going to compete for the A pluses, but I want a nice distribution of the A minuses through the C pluses.
0: Makes sense. That's a good balance there. So before you shifted into this model, you were saying that you were dealing primarily with trucking. Did you work with brokers primarily at that point as well, or did you? Yeah, the company did.
1: I wasn't wasn't actively involved in the company. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't Really get involved with the company full time until uh, August
0: 2018. Okay. So, I know in some circles, when you start talking about brokers, um, especially with people who have worked at larger banks or regional banks, um, there's some wariness that comes up. You know, sometimes they, you know, talk about fraud that happened a long oh, sure. time ago or things like that. So, how do you establish trust with a broker? Can you walk me through your vetting process? Sure. Uh,
1: before we sign a broker up, we go through an interview process. We also do a background check. Um, and But probably more importantly for us is we don't allow the brokers that we don't know for a long, long period of time to document the transactions. So we once we provide an approval that that we underwrote. So when the application comes in, it goes into our system. Our credit people examine the information. We have electronic systems that verify the information from not only the credit bureau report, we do background checks. Uh, We obviously look at PayNet. We also look at the asset. Uh, and, and the comparable wholesale value of that asset. So all of those things are uh, automated in terms of pulling the information, but then we have two levels of credit analysis uh, to validate and verify that information. Then when uh, documents are requested, we actually do deal directly with the borrower in closing the transaction, including a telephone interview uh, for verification purposes with that borrower. So the, you know, it, it doesn't mitigate or eliminate 100% of fraud, right? Everyone's got, got the oddball case. But what it does do is it protects us from any large-scale fraud. Right? And what we have found so far is that we've never had a broker commit or even attempt to commit fraud with us fraud is usually done uh, at the borrower and or vendor level, you know, in the the few cases where we've we've gotten burned. So, uh, by and large, the the brokers have been well-behaved. Where we saw, or at least the case studies I looked at, right, in terms of trying to come up with fraud mitigation strategies, were situations where people had large uh, flow arrangements, where a group of people would be underwriting transactions and then quarterly discounting them to a funding source. Uh, So even with our discounters, we actually validate uh, the information before we agree to take the deal in. So we do not buy pools of assets uh, without directly vetting each individual transaction and the information around it. So
0: Great,
1: it sounds- is it foolproof? No, nothing's foolproof.
0: It sounds like a very thorough process. Sounds like you've.
1: Yeah. Some, sometimes the brokers get a little offended when they're interviewing, but uh, <laughs> especially early on when we were the new, new kid in, in town. Uh, but I think over the last three years, we've developed enough of a reputation and a market presence that, uh, that people want to be uh, referral sources to us.
0: So you brought up a good topic. So you said that, you know, sometimes they might get offended during that interview process. Um, Brokers can work with just about any lender they want to work with, right? So how do you create that relationship with them and have them keep coming back to you?
1: Well, one is I'm a big believer in transparency. Transparency creates trust. So we're completely transparent with our brokers in terms of our underwriting process. Um, we don't do automated credit decisioning. So brokers can appeal, they can call, Uh, especially early on, uh, there was a period of time where I actually looked at every credit once it was summarized uh, and we would have some haggling (laughs) or we'd give them an explanation as to why we declined it or why we thought it was a high risk situation. And so by having that constant level of dialogue, uh, people feel that they're they're in better control of their own destiny. Right. And it also looks good to their vendor uh, or to their applicant if they if they can tell them, hey, yeah, I spoke to the CEO or the chief credit officer and he's here, that's what he or she is going to do for me. Right. Um, so people like that type of interaction. People also like the fact that they never ever have to worry that we're going to try to poach their relationship. Right. So even if a customer who you know, is coming to end of term or wants to prepay, we let the broker know, right? We won't refinance them and cut the broker out on the refi. Uh, we, we give them another bite of the apple. When um, uh, we provide them statistics uh, on how their portfolio is doing, uh, we've rolled out a, a a real-time broker portal so they can go in and see what's current, what's not current, what's behind, uh, what kind of losses they might've had uh, on deals that they referred to us. And then they can also see the status of where their transactions are. Um, We offered uh, varying products. So one of the things that a lot of uh, funders don't do is we offer prepayable loans. And those prepayable loans uh, give the broker the option of of selling two different deals um, and with different rates, but a lot of customers think that they're gonna prepay and refinance it because they don't wanna pay that kind of rate, Um, but you know, and some do, but by and large, most are ugly ducklings that never become a swan. (laughs) (laughs) Then we, we develop programs with a number of our brokers. So to give you an example, in the medical space, you know, we, we worked for a long, long time with uh, MMP Capital, John Paul Smolensky and his team. And they were very transparent with us. And so we were able to look at their data, their data over a seven, eight year period and get a sense of what type of transactions worked, which ones were riskier, uh, how to structure the the transactions, how to categorize them into different types of of, uh, licensed medical professionals and certain vendors uh, that had better uh, quality of of equipment and better customer support. And so we developed the program with them um, in exchange for certain levels of exclusivity. So we won't do medical uh, transactions with other brokers. And then by the same token, John Paul and his team gives us first crack at a lot of good deals. Right? And so that's the type of program that's been uh, able to develop into a $5 million a month program where we have a weighted average FICO against licensed medical professionals who have been in business for five years or longer of 760, and we're getting pretty attractive yields. I don't want to disclose the yields because our competitors might try to call John Paul. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we developed a a program with Harbor Capital who we had worked with in trucking for a long time, but oddly enough, Harbor's, you know, a top five broker for us. And we do almost no trucks with them. We only do construction and franchise. And so they really helped us try to understand the franchise finance space. And we developed some custom programs with them uh, that they go out and market and they know, What's, what the terms are going to be, because we've predetermined with, with a very detailed checklist, you know, what qualifies as a tier one, what qualifies as a tier two, what qualifies as a tier three, what the dollar levels will be, you know, EFA terms versus loan terms, what their, what their fees would be and so on. And so franchise is quickly becoming uh, one of our largest asset categories. And once again, you know, it's a very high quality uh, set of borrowers. We've had not even a single delinquency in that space, uh, and we're getting very attractive yields. That's so uh, another, another group uh, who has really earned their stripes uh, with us uh, in trucking of all things, uh, but they're incredibly professional, very detail oriented, uh, have great credit capabilities in-house, is uh, top mark funding. Uh, out in Sacramento area, uh, these guys have, you know, a book to look with us of over sixty-five percent for mid prime and subprime trucking, which is just off the charts. Uh, and in fact, you know, they're so good that you know we give them a, a pretty wide latitude of of being able to close transactions, and then we buy it from them so long as it meets the checklist and verification protocols. Right. And so by, ha- by having those kind of specialized uh, products or programs where they know we're going to be loyal, uh, gives them the freedom to really market um, and, and know what is going to sell and what's not going to sell. Uh, as opposed to the usual, uh, oh, I got this app you know, bank of XYZ turned it down. Let's, you know, let's send it to Pawnee and North Mill and see what comes back, right? Those kind of relationships, you know, we tolerate because it still yields uh, a decent amount of volume. But, you know, we've really frowned on those, uh, I call it spaghetti application uh, relationships. And so we, one of the things we've done is we've really started uh, going through metrics of, volume of applications, approval percentages, conversion of approvals. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, we eliminated about 150 brokers over the last year uh, as referral sources, because we want to concentrate more and more of our efforts with those customers, right? To us, our customers are not the borrower, not the vendor, our customers are the brokers. So we want to focus on those customers to make them more successful. And if we're distracted working on lots of apps, that aren't going to get funded, that means we have less resources available to work with those folks.
0: Makes a lot of sense. So of those top customers, brokers who you work with, what do they say to you about working with North Mill compared to other lenders in the industry? What feedback do you get from them?
1: Um, I would say the ones that we have those tight relationships with, uh, it seems to be a love fest whenever we get together with them. Um, you know, for example, uh, one of the things we did with Harbors, we just went up there and said, you know, uh, the entire company, we're gonna take you out for a barbecue dinner tonight, right? <laughs> so, um, so you get a sense, you sit down with people, you talk to them, you, uh, you try to understand what works, what doesn't work. How, how do you decide, you know, XYZ broker to send that app to me or send it to Pawnee or Amur, right? Uh, what are your decision points? And, you know, we're not going to get 100% market share. I mean, Pawnee is a very formidable competitor, Finpac, you know, Amora and so on. Uh, but I think what people like is they still have the capability of dealing directly with very senior folks. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of my time uh, speaking to brokers and looking at credit still. And uh, they also like that we always have their back. We're not, you know, we're not going to go around them. We don't have any disguised subsidiaries with different names with direct vendor relationships.
0: I was going to actually (laughs) ask you about um, that who owns the customer question, because that came up in a board meeting that we had with our editorial board. And um, it was a broker who brought it up and said, you know, this is happening. Sometimes lenders are coming in and and taking the customer yeah. away from the broker. And it sounds like North Mill doesn't do that, but in your opinion, Never. why does that happen? Um, and should it be happening? Uh, what do you think? Well,
1: <clears throat> my personal view is you have to protect your referral source. If the referral source gave you that customer and in that introduction, then that's their customer, right? Our attitude is the brokers are our customers. Right? The borrowers are not our customers and the vendors are not our customers. Even when vendors come to us, right? a lot of vendors will come to us and say, hey, I want to develop a program on this list and so on. We say, oh, we're happy to work with you, but we don't have our own vendor relationship managers. So we would like, you know, top mark uh, to, to be involved or, you know, uh, you know, a lot of our competitors are also our brokers, right? So believe it or not, a good source of volume for us are other funders who have vendor relationships because that they'll have exposure limitations with some of their customers, right? So we don't want their turndowns. We want their exposure limitations, right? So we don't, you know, if, if, the, if that vendor or customer wants us to, to work directly with them, we just won't let them. We just say, no, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, we're gonna get so-and-so involved. Maybe it'll be at a lower fee level, right? than Than just your standard fee, but we want somebody who's interfacing with the vendor and with the borrower because there's value add. Most of the brokers do a lot of value add for us, especially in terms of educating the customer and explaining the docs explaining the prepayment options or lack thereof if they go with a lease or EFA. And, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's a variable cost, which we're happy to pay. Now, but we also do some other things, right? Some of our really good brokers, will provide them uh, credit facilities uh, to help them fund transactions, especially at month end. Uh, we, we have loyalty programs, but so does everybody else, right? You hit certain uh, metrics and targets, you get an extra check. Uh, we call those owner bonuses, right? Because um, lots of times the owner on every deal has to pay their rep some points, right? So if they can get some extra uh, extra bonuses at, at quarter end, that's just pure profit margin for
0: them. So you, you mentioned that there's a certain type of broker who you like to work with. You look at the data, you look at the metrics, but if a, a new broker is coming to you and it's not someone you have an established relationship with, what are the characteristics uh, that you're looking for?
1: Uh, well, first we'd like to make sure they have a clean background, right? We don't want to see uh, <laughs> jail time or <laughs> charges of uh, committing fraud or check kiting and stuff like that. Uh, we won't work with somebody who's literally just starting. Um, so we want to see somebody who's, who's been in operation for at least a year. Uh, but generally, the only startups we will work with are people who are leaving an established broker where they've worked for a long time already, right? So you, you, obviously you always get people who maybe spent five years working for Balboa and now they're off, off on their own, right? So those types of people we will generally work with. We make some phone calls, right? Uh, and if if they're not a complete uh, startup joining or starting their company from a different uh, employer, uh, we also like to see funding references. The one area where we've had difficulty and we've experimented with it is uh, working capital or MCA uh, brokerage shops, because uh, a lot of them you know grew quite large, quite profitable. Uh, but the MCA business is kind of dried up, especially with all the SBA money and PPP money that went out last year. So a number of them have been trying to enter into the equipment finance space. It seems like a natural extension. But you know, we we've experimented with it, but and uh, so far, it really hasn't worked out well yet. But yeah, we're not going to totally give up on it.
0: So we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, any final thoughts on this topic?
1: No, look, we. Uh, we we love our brokers. Uh, most of them, Uh, they're great partners, you know, people like Harbor and MMP and Topmark and, and a, a whole host of others, uh, they become real partners and we view them as partners. And, uh, yeah, we love to see them succeed. And, you know, to us, everything's a two way street, right? If you're a good partner, um, then generally the other side will be good partners and loyal back to you, right? Okay. Not always, but most of the time you get what you put up.
0: It's true. It's such a relationship. You gotta yeah. be balanced on both sides. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you.